Hello everyone. We're on Luke 21, 1 through 4. And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of them. For they all, out of their surplus, put into the offering. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. While at the temple, Jesus did something else to show he was God. He knew people's hearts. At the temple's offering plate, the rich were giving from their leftovers. Meanwhile, a widow who had the least gave up what she had to live on as an offering to God. The percentage she gave was much higher than that of the rich people. God measures our hearts when we give. He knows how much we sacrifice for him. Some do not sacrifice at all, either by not giving or by giving out of their excess. Others give sacrificially, even when it hurts. We want to be the latter, honoring God and showing gratitude for his love for us. Verses 5 through 7. While some were talking about the temple, that it was adorned with beautiful stones and votive gifts, he said, As for these things which you are looking at, the days will come in which there will not be left one stone upon another which will not be torn down. They questioned him, saying, Teacher, when therefore will these things happen? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? What a stunning announcement! As people were talking about the beauty of the temple, Jesus told them one day soon it would be gone. This section of scripture is called the Olivet Discourse. It is the preaching with the most prophecy that Jesus ever taught. The disciples asked when these things would happen and what the sign would be. They were curious, as many people are, about the future. God, in his omniscience, can tell us the future with certainty. Luke was written with a Gentile audience in mind, so some of the stronger Jewish elements present in Mark and Matthew are not present here. Verse 8, And he said, See to it that you are not misled, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. Let me start by saying prophecy is very tricky. There can be no confirmation on whether what we claim is right or wrong, because only God can tell us if what we think of the future is true. So we must always come to prophecy with humility. Some believe that the full Olivet Discourse has to do with one of three topics. The first is the destruction of Jerusalem, which happened in 70 AD. Uh, the second is just a general prophecy about the time before the tribulation. And the third is the tribulation itself, a period of seven years in the future, recorded by the book of Revelation, where God will bring down his wrath on the entire earth. All have valid arguments, and I will try my best, as will my wife, to present them as best we can, although we are leaning more towards the picture of the tribulation uh, that it's happening before. There have been many false teachers in the past, in the present, and there will be in the future. Jesus warns those with him not to be fooled, indicating that these deceptions will be very convincing, and that's part of being deceiving. If this is referring to the future, it will occur in the time of the tribulation, 
as seen in Revelation 6. The Antichrist will be very convincing false prophet. As we approach Christ's coming, these false prophets will only multiply and intensify. Verses 9 through 11. When you hear of wars and disturbances, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end does not follow immediately. Then he continued by saying to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes, and in various places plagues and famines, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. This, uh, this section talks about wars and rumors of wars. This has happened throughout human history. Some believe this points to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D., for the second theory, many point to the fact that we have had a very bloody century with two world wars and many smaller wars in between and after. They believe this could be speaking about now. The third theory points to the time of the tribulation, the second seal, when the Antichrist will war against three major leaders or kings of his kingdom. Now verse 11 mentions famine, earthquakes, and signs in the heavens. The first theory links this to a local famine in Jerusalem around 70 AD and considers the rest symbolism. The second theory believes these things happened in World War I because some of the signs match up. The third theory believes that these things happened or will happen in seals 2 through 4 and 6 in the tribulation. We see that in Revelation 6 because they have the same sequence of events Jesus mentioned here. Jesus' encouragement in all this is, do not be terrified. God is in control. If God can foretell all of this, that means his perfect plan is coming to pass. As his children, we have nothing to fear. Verses 12 to 19. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and will persecute you, delivering you to the synagogues and prisons bringing you before kings and governors for my name's sake. It will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. So, make up your minds not to prepare beforehand to defend yourselves. For I will give you utterance and wisdom, which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute. But you will be betrayed, even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated by all because of my name. Yet not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Jesus taught that the persecution of believers would be severe and it would occur before all these things. The first theory, remember Jerusalem, 70 AD, links this to the persecution of the early church before Jerusalem's destruction. The second theory ties this to Christians throughout history before tribulation. Right now, there are Christians in various countries that are being persecuted and killed for their faith. The third theory, this refers to the time of the tribulation when saints will be persecuted. This would be seal 5 in Revelation 6. Christians will be hated by the entire world because the world will be ruled by the Antichrist. Now, Jesus gives an encouragement. This persecution would lead to an opportunity for your testimony to shine to the world for Jesus. He calls Christians not to prepare to defend themselves because God will give us the words to speak. 
He also warns Christians that they will be betrayed by government, friends, and even down to parents and siblings. Some will be saved from death by God, and some will die. Jesus does not hide the truth. All that are under the banner of God will be hated, but not a hair will perish. What does this mean? To lose our life for God in this life is to gain it in the next life. Our spirits are protected by God, and our bodies will be perfectly remade for heaven. We are called to endure this time on earth, despite severe persecution. It is an honor to be persecuted for Christ's sake. To be persecuted for anything else does not matter in eternity. He has done so much for us that we do not and will not ever deserve. To suffer for the short span of our lives is nothing compared to the eternal gifts he has in store for us. Verses 20 to 24. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that her desolation is near. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains, and those who are in the midst of the city must leave. And those who are in the country must not enter the city, because these are days of vengeance, so that all things which are written will be fulfilled. Woe to those who are pregnant, and to those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress upon the land, and wrath to this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword, and will be led captive into all the nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles, until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled." The first theory believes that this passage is about the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, which was a horrible event. It was only 40 years away when Jesus prophesied this. Titus and his Roman army would trample the city and destroy the temple. Josephus claimed nearly one million were killed and over 100,000 captured. The second and third theories believe that this passage is part of the tribulation. Some argue against this thought process because there is no temple right now. The simple answer, another temple will be built. The Antichrist will commit an abomination in this future temple, will hate the Jews and persecute them, probably with as much vigor as Christians. Verses 25 to 28. There will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth dismay among nations. In perplexity, at the roaring of the sea and the waves, men fainting from fear, and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. They will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Surely, Jesus is only speaking here, of the time when he returns. The sun, moon, and stars will all give signs. The earth and the sea will shake and move. All the men on earth will be terrified, and all the earth will be in extreme turmoil. All this will happen in preparation for the coming of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. He will return again in the clouds, this time as a conquering king. Revelation 15 to 19. He will not come again in a humble state, but as Lord and God over all. Similar language in Daniel 7, 13-14. When this occurs, all the believers on earth can expectantly lift their heads from their persecution because their Redeemer will have arrived. This time is nearing for His return. Know His word and watch for Him. Verses 29-33 to Then He told them a parable. 
Behold the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they put forth leaves, you see it and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Jesus tells a small parable explaining that one can tell what is coming by looking for the signs. When fig trees sprout leaves, people knew summer was near. In the same way, these signs indicate when Jesus' coming, uh, his second coming, is close. God keeps his promises. Verse 32 can be confusing. Some say that this generation referred to the disciples' generation, meaning that the destruction of the temple pointing to the first theory. This could be, but is not likely. It is more likely that this generation is the generation that experiences the tribulation, which he was talking about in the preceding verses. Some say that the Greek word for generation can mean race, so Jesus was simply saying that the Jewish people would still be in existence when all this occurred. Verses 34 to 38. Be on guard, so that your hearts will not be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life, and that day will not come on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of all the earth, but keep on the alert at all times praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Now, during the day, he was teaching in the temple, but at evening, he would go out and spend the night on the mount that is called Olivet. And all the people would get up early in the morning to come to him in the temple to listen to him. Jesus called his own to be on guard, awaiting his return. We are not called simply to wait but to work for his glory. In the meantime, we should not waste our time on the worldly, but use our time to glorify him. One day, we, all of us, will stand before Jesus, and we want to be counted as one of the faithful. Are you ready for that meeting? Thank you for listening to chapter 21. Um, again, if you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can go to forthethirstysoul.com and click on the contact us, send it over. We are monitoring the email. Uh, we'd love to hear your questions, uh, and we'll do our research and try to answer as best we can. Thank you.